the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, October 26th, 2021. Um, Dennis Prager got laughed at two years ago. When on Bill Maher's show, he said the left believes far more lies than anything Donald Trump was accused of. Asked for an example, he cited the notion that men menstruate. The audience, along with Bill Maher, broke out into condescending laughter. If you Google men and menstruate, the first three hits or results are these. The first one is from the Daily Beast. Title, quote, Yes, men can have periods and we need to talk about them, close quote. Second one is a Wikipedia, has an entire entry, quote, male menstruations, close quote. Third, NBC, quote, for transgender men, pain of menstruation is more than just painful, close quote. The idea that sex is not binary and is assigned by a human is something we are all just supposed to accept And if we question it, we are told that is violence. I watched a YouTube where Ben Shapiro told his truth about this to a transgender woman, a bodybuilder. And that bodybuilder threatened to send Ben Shapiro home in an ambulance. One violent act, Ben's words, of course, begets another justified, peaceful response, beating Ben up physically. The audience cheered that second one, by the way, the threat to send Ben home in an ambulance. Somehow, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez asks Congress to expel fellow members, as she did yesterday, because they are responsible for, in her words, quote, almost 10 people's death on January 6th, close quote, we're supposed to accept that. One person was killed on January 6th, being shot in the back for breaking and entering a building while unarmed. But we're supposed to accept she had it coming and was one of several deaths inspired by her side, by her team. But there were no deaths that day other than the woman breaking and entering. And the other deaths, they were due to natural causes and suicides. And they didn't happen on January 6th, and there weren't almost 10. Maybe half that. Somehow, we're supposed to believe that an armed insurrection took place on January 6th, though the weapons being cited by the Department of Justice are dangerous weapons like, as they say, a helmet, a baton, a crutch, a walking stick. You know, the kinds of things you can't enter buildings with when they have signs that say no weapons allowed in this building. Check your helmets, crutches, and walking sticks. And though an insurrection is an actual crime, not a single person has been charged with that crime, though we're supposed to believe it was an armed insurrection, just as we're supposed to believe that truly violent riots were mostly peaceful, irrespective of the 30 deaths they caused last summer and the 14,000 arrests engendered. 
Somehow we're supposed to believe it's okay to teach our country wasn't founded in 1776, but some 150 years or so earlier that nobody in 1776 or 1787, for that matter, ever thought about. And somehow we're supposed to believe that Donald Trump colluded with Russians to steal the election of 2016, though all evidence shows this was an invention by the DNC using white shoe law firms to create and then cover up the genesis of the story they created that upon investigation by Robert Mueller found no such evidence. Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi still hew to the fake story, but we're supposed to believe them on that while Donald Trump is responsible for something called the big lie. Somehow we're supposed to believe it's okay for American military generals to tell us they read Marx and Lenin to better understand America. And then when said general gives strategic positioning of the American military to a communist regime, that is all just okay, when really no part of it is. Somehow we're supposed to believe that children are to be listened to when they want to change their gender, though they are not to be listened to when they don't want to wear a mask or take a needle shot in their arm over a virus that is less harmful to them than the annual flu. Somehow... We're supposed to believe what Anthony Fauci says about said virus, though he has been wrong and misdirecting us for over a year and a half and about 20 times. Somehow we're supposed to laud and trust Anthony Fauci when he admits to lying to the public about herd immunity because he didn't think the public could handle the truth. And somehow we're supposed to accept his statement that listening to science means listening to him. Somehow we're supposed to believe that it's okay for the CDC to change the definition of the word vaccine on their website overnight with no press release or explanation until it's discovered by outsiders. Somehow we're supposed to believe that your vaccination keeps me safe, though the study the the CDC issued justifying this notion showed four out of five hospitalizations of their test group were of the vaccinated, with stated conclusion that the vaccinated have the same viral load as the unvaccinated and can spread the virus. Somehow we're supposed to believe that words are violence while being told that violence is words, if it's coming from the right side. Somehow we're supposed to believe that a country that achieved 90% of what it should have in civil rights, according to a major speech by Barack Obama in 2007, became systematically racist after his two election victories over the two most famous Caucasian Republican politicians, not just in this country, but in the world. Somehow we're supposed to believe that the exit from Afghanistan was an extraordinary success, to quote Joe Biden, but to deny everything seen by our eyes and told to us by those left behind. Somehow we're supposed to believe Joe Biden is running this country and in control of his faculties. Somehow we're supposed to believe that it's okay to do business with a country engaged in modern-day extermination and slavery of a minority population because it's good for the NBA profit margins and that it's okay to silence people who raise the concern and that such corporations like Nike and Coca-Cola have some moral authority here. As if they do, though they weigh in in our domestic politics with such authority, they with their other hand lobby Congress not to sanction the Chinese use of slave labor 
while it is incumbent on every other American to beat his or her breast and change our national anthem and all curriculum in schools because a minority of this country engaged in slavery that ended by dint of the majority of this country over 150 years ago. And somehow we're supposed to believe that it is called teaching truth. And somehow we're supposed to believe that when we were in school, slavery and its lingering and ugly badges were not covered in our textbooks or taught in our schools. Somehow we're supposed to believe that less cops equals less crime and that those who say cops are pigs should be given multi-million dollar contracts with Nike and specials on Netflix to lecture us on humanity. Somehow we're supposed to believe nurses are heroes when they treat COVID patients while Donald Trump is president, but then to be ignored, shamed, and fired if, based on said expertise, they have concerns about taking a vaccine that landed on their doorstep less than a year ago and yet are being mandated for them now. Somehow we're supposed to be okay with the fact that these heroes all of a sudden don't know what the hell they're talking about. Or we're supposed to believe that Customs and Border Patrol has to end horse patrol because they used their horse reins to beat immigrants, though they didn't and wouldn't. Somehow we're supposed to believe that further disruption of the family structure is just what our minority populations need. Somehow, too, we're supposed to be okay with segregation in education, dorms, classes, and graduation ceremonies, and that certain multicultural buildings are to be off-limits to certain races, especially at ASU. Somehow, we are to genuflect before a movement self-admittedly founded by Marxists, though we spent a long twilight struggle in almost every American institution to defeat Marxism in our lifetimes. But heaven forfend someone believes the earth is flat, and that which has no consequences to and for Anybody except the person who believes that, based on whatever reasoning, is a kook when he speaks out on other issues where he is absolutely right, and he is singled out as the only one worthy of condemnation, even as he tries to highlight slavery. Oh no, not the slavery that ended here nearly 160 years ago, but the slavery taking place right now, where the NBA puts basketball camps to help cover up the heart of darkness that is the Xinjiang province. The earth is flat is equivalent to false statements and misinformation about vaccine mandates, don't you know? It est that those vaccine mandates protect others. I'm sorry. It's not the same. As Thomas Jefferson put it, the law can only coerce the operations of the body, not the measurements of the mind. And we are talking coercion when it comes to vaccines. This, while we're supposed to cheer and elevate LeBron James for saying Daryl Morey wasn't educated on the China slave issue when he spoke up about our allies in Hong Kong not wanting such slavery for themselves. But then we're to believe sports journalists who quote James positively on this while condemning Kyrie Irving for saying the earth was flat once, because Kyrie Irving is speaking up about human rights atrocities in China that almost all of the rest of professional sports, including this reporter from Yahoo Sports, Ben Warbach, try to cover up, and who writes that Irving is, quote, a prominent conspiracy theorist, close quote, and that his desire not to vaccinate is equivalent to believing the earth is flat. 
Well, we were supposed to believe Joe Biden only two months ago when he told CNN, if you vaccinate, you won't get sick or go to the hospital. Or that no other remediations or therapies can work, though scientific journal after scientific journal shows they might and in some cases have. And by the way, those who say that are spreading conspiracy theories. We're supposed to believe this. And we're supposed to believe that it's okay to be censored for saying things like this or all of the above. And despite the president and Anthony Fauci being wrong many times about things far more consequential to our country and countrymen, than someone believing the earth is flat, we're still supposed to believe and trust them now. Here's where we are. People like Milley and Biden and Fauci were monumentally wrong or lying about monumental issues, and we are supposed to dismiss those erratum and lies as irrelevant in light of anything they say after they've been discovered or publicized. But that isn't true, evidently, for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie was wrong or crazy once about nothing that matters to anyone, the earth being flat, so he's supposedly wrong now about big things that do matter, based on trusting the words of people like Biden and Fauci, who have been proven to be far more wrong than Irving on things that matter to everyone. This is not a small issue. One can be wrong or lie about public policy again and again and again, but so long as it's in the service of the party, we will no longer recognize the truth at all, or as Orwell put it, The party depends on the thought police. Let that sink in. Oh, one last thing on belief. The Ben Rohrabachs of the world sports columnists for Yahoo want Kyrie Irving to, in his words, vaccinate so that he doesn't cause, quote, more deaths, close quote. Rohrabach's words are in his Yahoo column. But do you believe Fauci or Rohrabach? Because one month ago, Fauci said it wasn't smart to have any of these live sporting events in which Irving works in the first place. His words, not smart. And yet, not even Lollapalooza sent anyone to the hospital or to the morgue after a four-day music festival, taking in nearly 400,000 people over the course of several days. So again, who's the crazy and who's the conspiracy theorist here? I'll just say one more thing about Rohrbach. Few, if any, states have been more strict in their COVID policies than Massachusetts. Rohrbach brags on his biography. He's from and educated in and loves Boston. As of this writing, as of this speaking, more people in Massachusetts have died from or with COVID after being doubly vaccinated than all the children there since January of 2020 by a factor of over seven. Oh, heck, for that matter, Massachusetts death rate from or with COVID is worse than the yahoos of Florida, South Dakota, and Texas. Maybe work on your own love that is failing before lecturing everyone else on that which isn't. Rohrbach's website asks if you have a tip for him, email him. I did. I invite him on the show to discuss all this. He politely declined. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. The various shots that people are getting now cover that they're they you're okay you're not going to you're not going to get covid if you have these vaccinations yeah welcome back to the seth leibson show 602-508-0960 i'm seth um 
this is an interesting uh, this is an interesting essay over at the Federalist. You you may have seen if you watch CBS, ABC, and NBC, or if you listen to podcasts with hosts like Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey, you may have seen Hillary Clinton out and about a whole bunch. She's promoting a new book. And the title of this Federalist piece is, Why is the media letting Hillary Clinton sell her book without getting Epstein questions? That was just about memory hold, that Jeffrey Epstein-Clinton connection, wasn't it? Just about. Just as the Clinton-Harvey Weinstein connection has been completely memory hold. The author says, I understand the argument that Hillary Clinton has suffered enough for her husband's sins, but she's a beneficiary of the power and money Bill Clinton enjoys in the wake of his presidency. She's his wife and a window into his personal life. So why are any serious news outlets interviewing her without asking about Jeffrey Epstein? If the press wants to treat allegations against Epstein seriously, why would the Clintons get a pass when they're trying to sell books? The former Secretary of State is on a book tour, hawking her new novel, making stops at The View and The Atlantic to sell copies and complain about Donald Trump. Yet in the years since her failed presidential bid, the public learned a great deal about the Clintons' suspicious ties to Jeffrey Epstein, the convicted sex criminal with a network of powerful allies. I don't need to read the rest of it, but you get the point. And of course, the answer is in what I said earlier in the previous segment, quoting Orwell yet again, 1984. The party depends on the thought police. Who are the thought police? I just listed them all. There are more, but you could do worse than to start with major media and the Democratic Party. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us John Dombrowski with the Culture and Economy Update. John is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He also is the host of his own radio show right here every Saturday at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. What's the word on wealth today, John? How are you, man? Doing great. Thank you, Seth. Uh, gets, apparently looks like we're moving forward on some type of a deal possibly in Washington, it sounds like. Yes, I want to talk about that in a half a sec. But first, tell me about new home sales, even as inflation and prices are sky high. This looks like an interesting indicator of something, but I can't tell what. Yeah, so we had, uh, this was the, each month, of course, we come out with uh, resale homes, but also new home sales, and new home sales jumped 14%. Um, to, a, they say, a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 800,000 units last month. And they said it's the highest level since March. So we saw a little bit of a slowdown from March uh, on, but then they're starting to see a, a little uh, resurgence again. Uh, it just basically stating that new home sales are still strong, and we're seeing that the prices of the new homes, again, still on an annual basis, seeing a nice jump uh, in value. So... The challenge is still, uh, Seth, again, that are we pricing people out of the market for purchasing of homes? The new median house price accelerated, it says, 18.7% in September to over $408,000, so up almost 19% from a year ago. 
and uh, they believe that the sales have still been uh, concentrated in that two hundred thousand to seven hundred and forty nine thousand dollar price range. Uh, and what's interesting, if you think about this, if you know the way people are talking about their houses today, and if you look at values, it's so many houses now are a million dollars or or more. Yeah. In some of the neighborhoods that just a few years ago you could have picked up a house for three hundred and fifty or four hundred thousand dollars, these homes have doubled or more than doubled in a three to five year period of time, which is just incredible we don't usually think of our personal residence uh, as as an investment that would appreciate at such a rapid pace as it has is there something um is there something going on that leads one to think we, we could see a crash coming soon here with inflated prices or are the banks and the mortgage lenders more sensitive to these issues than they used to be? Yeah, I believe that the lenders right now yeah. uh, have much stronger uh, you know, and more regulation as far as the lending that occurs. And, of course, they don't want to be caught in a, in a situation where they have a lot of foreclosures. So mm-hmm. uh, I believe they're much better right now in, at the, uh, in the loan origination process for borrowers, which is really, Seth, if you think about it, it's a protection for the borrowers, not a protection for the, the people who are lending the money. No. The people who are lending the money are getting you know, these, uh, these government-backed uh, loans, and uh, it really doesn't affect them as much as it affects the individual who potentially loses everything when they bite off more than they can chew in purchasing a house and sometimes buying a bigger home or a more expensive home than maybe what they really would have qualified for. But under today's rules that would apply to borrowers, it seems it's a little bit more in line, making sure that these numbers uh, line up so that the homeowner hopefully would not get into financial difficulty because they purchased something more expensive or something out of their budget. Thank you for that. I wanted to talk to you about another side of the debate. You had mentioned the bills uh, in D.C., mm-hmm. the spending bills. I was reading a Wall Street Journal article about a minimum corporate tax, and we can talk about it or not. But sure. but, but, but the interesting thing in the story to me was this issue has surfaced, and I'll quote from the story, as the Democrats attempt to cobble together money to cover nearly $2 trillion in $2 trillion in spending. Mm-hmm. Now, they're telling us that there are 200 corporations they're targeting with this alternative mini- – or this uh, corporate minimum that tax. That affect up to 200 Up to companies, 200 right. companies, right. Because the Democrats are ahead of themselves on spending by $2 trillion. Hmm. Well, if my math is right, that's $10 billion <laughs> a company. Do we really think these companies know less – well, what to do with $10 billion than the federal government oh and gosh. what those companies might do for employment and expansion and growth in the economy if they were each left with their $10 billion? Ah, uh, boy, Seth, I would rather have the companies invest I, that, that money. That, that's the right. <laughs> <laughs> you got the right answer, no John. No question You got the it. right answer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, very true. You know, it's interesting, too. These are the companies that they're talking about. They're talking about a minimum corporate tax of 15%. And these would be companies that have done, I believe it was a billion dollars yeah. uh, in revenue for yeah. the last three years. Yeah. So there's specific rule, And that's why there's only 200 companies yeah. out there that it would affect. Yeah. So I believe companies are willing to pay a little bit more, but they want to know where that money's going to be spent. And uh, I think we all should demand to understand how that money is being spent in Washington 
and I think we'd all feel a lot better about paying taxes. Thanks, John Dombrowski. You bet. Call us at uh, 480-991-1055. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FinRIN SIPC, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Bless you, sir. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I was... Um, I was thinking of the lies the left perpetrates on our society and the lies that we just swallow, ignore, forget, or that most people swallow and forget because they are inconvenient. It's as if we have made so many jesting pilots who just throw up their hands when confronted with the truth and walk away. It's as if we are in the grip of some form of invincible ignorance or like that conversation I was telling you about last week with a man very well-educated and very well-accomplished who was trying to tell me President George Washington issued a federal mandate, and I explained how that was not the case, just looked at me and said, well, anyway, and moved on, having no care or concern for the facts because they would require him to rethink a position he became comfortable with. This is an unfortunate thing in our society. We've become comfortable with falsities. We've become comfortable with untruths, with misstatements, with lies, when they serve a larger purpose. Now, I don't think you have to be a theoretician or a mathematician or a mortician to know or realize that if your conclusion is based on a foundation of untruths, of lies, if your conclusion is based on lies or depends on lies to sustain it, then maybe the conclusion is a lie. Do you have to be a logician or a mathematician to understand that point? This is the power of ideology, though. Hannah Arendt said there is nothing so powerful as ideology, and she's right. Ideology can easily turn into demagoguery, and demagoguery, at least according to the ancients, is one of the most dangerous things in a polity, because people will either be governing by or voting for things that aren't true. And once this question simply becomes a question of how many votes can I get based on untruths, you are in the territory or the realm of some of the greatest propagandas of the 20th century, summed up as perhaps best by Hitler's favorite movie, Triumph of the Will. Triumph of the Will, which of course borrowed from Nietzsche. Once you have truth-tellers willing and courageous enough to speak literal truth to power and truth to falsehoods and truth to lies, once you have those people among you, minority population, dissenters, dissidents, you name it, once you find them courageous enough to actually speak out, what would a government, depending on a lie— do. Well, we know from George Bernard Shaw 
that the most extreme form of censorship is assassination, and that is indeed and in fact what dominated so much of the 20th century in corrupt, ideologically and philosophically corrupt regimes that were based on lies. We're not here there. We're not there here. We're not there here yet. But the most extreme form of censorship, i.e. censorship, is in fact being waged against those minorities, those dissidents. And it reminds me of the thing Bill was uh, blanking on earlier. Bill, I mean no disrespect in saying that. You, you admitted you were blanking on one of the things you had a question about. But it rem- I, I remember what your question was about because I said ask it on air and we'll talk about it. And the question had to do with majority and minority rights based on reason and based on notions of truth, truth and, false, and falsehood. Perhaps no one did a better job of explaining this issue of minority rights in a Republican form of government. Think about that for a moment. Minority rights in a Republican form of government. Minority rights, that is to say, the rights of the losers in an election. Then Thomas Jefferson. He called it out in his first inaugural address which was to remind the first time in history so far as we know that two major ideologies peacefully and peaceably transferred power from the Adams to the Jefferson point of view and political party. And Thomas Jefferson said this in his inaugural. He called it a sacred principle. Quote, the sacred principle that though the will of the majority is in all cases to prevail, that will to be rightful must be reasonable. That the minority possess their equal rights, which equal law must protect and to violate would be oppression. We have equal rights here. They were guaranteed to us by our natural rights. They were burnt into amber, we thought, with the Bill of Rights. There are some scholars who argue that the Bill of Rights wasn't necessary because we possessed the rights that are outlined in them prior to the Constitution as inhering in our natural rights. But regardless of whether you toe that line or not, there is a Bill of Rights. Now, what does Jefferson mean that the majority will to be rightful must be reasonable. Well, first of all, go back to your Declaration of Independence and remember that Thomas Jefferson doesn't speak of powers of government. He speaks of just powers of government. He speaks of just powers of government as coming from eventuating as a result of the consent of the governed. But consent, Jefferson doesn't leave alone. He doesn't leave alone the word consent. There's this nagging thing, isn't there, called reasonableness and rightfulness. For a majority to be right, it has to be reasonable. How can I best illustrate that? I think I can do it 
this way. By pointing out that James Madison, in his essay on sovereignty, which he wrote towards the end of his life, as Harry Jaffa instructs us, puts the limits of the authority of the majority by reference to whatever might be done rightfully and by unanimity. The qualification of unanimity refers back to the principles of the polity. And consent is necessary, of course, but not sufficient for governments that are non-despotic. The community of Jonestown committed suicide by unanimous consent, after all. Unanimity did not make that action reasonable or even non-despotic. Surely not for the hundreds of children who were put to death by their consenting but deluded parents. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Just as we were having that conversation about minority rights and for majorities to be right, they must be reasonable. Listener writer Charles writes in, I hate the term for the greater good. I think it is camouflage for the big lie whenever that big lie and whatever that big lie is. Something that is actually legitimately for the greater good should be obvious. When you have to say something is for the greater good, you're trying to justify something that is not necessarily good for anyone. When a house is on fire, you don't have to say we need to put it out because that is obvious. If they say a house is on fire and we have to put it out, but your own eyes tell you there is no fire, it's like for the greater good and not necessarily. So it's a justification to do something that isn't needed. Yes, this is the world we have entered, Charles. Good point. C.S. Lewis warned about that, as he did so many other great things, when he wrote, The use of fashions in thought is to distract men from their real dangers. We direct the fashionable outcry of each generation against those vices of which it is in the least danger, and fix its approval on the virtue that is nearest the vice which we are trying to make endemic. The game is to have everyone running around with fire extinguishers whenever there's a flood, and all crowding to that side of the boat, which is already nearly gone under. Does anything explain our times better than that? It's a funny thing, isn't it? It's a funny thing that all these dystopian novels that we read as kids— whether it was C.S. Lewis or Ray Bradbury or whether it was George Orwell. Isn't it funny that all those things read in the light of day today seem eerily familiar and not because we read them when we were kids and thought them ridiculous then, dystopian then. This is why I say my favorite T-shirt is Make George Orwell Fiction. Again, But isn't it an eerie thing? Whereas the modern world today is trying to give us new dystopias based on societies named America that never existed and can and will never exist. Warning of a conservative movement in America, 
a movement they refuse to read or understand. For if they did, they would know one thing about the conservative movement in America. And I believe it's unanimous throughout the movement that that, that, that there is one concern we share, we conservatives share among every other possible concern. There is one we are united on, and that is the import of individual rights and individual freedom. And it's that which they fear most and want to crush the hardest. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 